here at the bridge, we love to acknowledge that the land on which we are located um, is the traditional and unceded territory of the Kwatlin, Stolo, and Semiyamu peoples, many of whom continue to live and work on this land today. We recognize and deeply appreciate their historic connection to this land. It's so good to be together. I know some of us have tried to remove recent memories of social distancing, but the shadow of those long days still lingers. And so if coming into a larger group is a bit troubling to you, welcome. And we'll try to be sensitive to your limitations. If you find yourself in a faith gathering for the first time in ages or ever, welcome. If this environment is triggering and all the bells and whistles are going off, please feel free to move about this morning at will. If standing outside feels safer, we have outdoor space on either side here. Um, if you need to go to the restroom, and we don't say this often enough, but you can just go straight back and to the left, um, and you can definitely use that at will. You don't have to put up your hand or anything. Um, and we're going to have a break in about halfway through so you can fill your cup again. If you haven't felt welcome in a faith community, welcome. We want you to know that we try really hard to make this space inclusive and affirming. We may not be perfect at it, but our hearts are set on making space for those who have been marginalized and removed from expressing their faith in a larger community. And to those of you who have been joining us on the regular, whether uh, you're body is in a seat here this morning or you're joining us via Zoom, we love to see your faces. There are things I specifically appreciate about Greg. One is just his humble nature, understanding that he has way more experience in leadership than I, and yet it is Greg who has been the most consistent uh, person to be here setting up on a Sunday morning. I also appreciate his vulnerability, which many of you will have heard over the past weeks and months. And it moves me when a person is authentic and real. And it gives me, um, it gives us all permission to be more authentic. So this morning, we get to listen to what this beautiful human has crafted and learned and is ready to share with us. So Greg, why don't you come up and I'll just pray for you. Jesus, you know Greg. Will you stand beside him this morning and breathe on him while he shares with us? Amen. Amen. Well, I, it is uh, my pleasure to be with all these chairs this morning. <laughs> I think there's more chairs set up than there is people, but that's okay. Uh, yes. Rick and I were just too positive this morning. I want to share a, a quick story before I uh, share what's, uh, what our message is all about.
there's there's something about the the nature of God that uh, goes past time, you might say. Um, a friend of mine who's early 70s used to be uh, working for a company that um, he was hired as the HR guy, um, hire a fire. Um, and 30 years ago, he was told to let go of one of the ladies that were working for them. And uh, he did not um, think that she was the one that was supposed to go. But the boss said, this is the one you need to let her go. So reluctantly, he did what he was asked to do. And uh, actually, over the, the years since, it's always been kind of a, a nag on him that this should not have happened. The, his, his boss, um, a few months ago, or I'm not sure whether it was a year or so ago, had, has passed away. And so in kind of retelling the story to me, he said, a few months ago, he had this sense that this lady, whether she's alive or not, he didn't know, was still carrying that loss, that he just felt it and kind of said, well, I don't know whether, how would ever get a hold of her or anything else, but uh, it is what it is. He just carried her on his heart. Um, a few weeks ago, he is heading to, I think he said it was Costco. And he said in Costco, when he goes to Costco, it is a target um, um, shop. He walks in the door. He knows exactly where he's going. He goes there and gets out. I'm not sure whether you want to go to Costco and act like that. But anyway, um, for him, that was the safest, safest thing to do. And uh, for whatever reason, that morning, his, his wife was dallying, getting the, the order together and getting in the car and all these. He just wanted to get there and get back. Eventually, they get there. And as he's walking in, he said he pauses, looks to his right. That's right. Looks to his right and sees but a 30-year-old version, I mean, a 30-plus-year-old version of, of this gal. He goes, that's her. Goes over a little bit closer. Yes, that's her. This gal that he had let go 30 years ago. He says, you may not remember me. She looked at him and said, I do, <laughs> but I don't remember your name. I remember our boss's name, though. Interesting. And he said, I want to apologize for what I did to you 30 years ago. It wasn't you. It was this other guy. And she said, it wasn't you. I hold no grudge against you, but it was the boss. And he said, he's gone. We can't do anything about that anymore but I just want to say, I'm sorry for what I did. And she said, let me tell you the rest of the story. It was the day before my birthday that you laid me off. And she said, I want you to know that today is my birthday. Or was the day before my birthday? 
it was that that significant to her that she said 30 years ago to this day you let me go and I'm, I'm being released from this sense of, of of dread or even for him he walked away absolutely elated that he was able to have that conversation that's the god who sees and knows us i just get excited about stories like that <laughs> because they're so they're so personal so personal to him and in retelling this story i just feel it again of how powerful it is to know a god that watches over us so so perfectly so with that as a as a as a backdrop um I want to tell a couple of a couple of stories from the from the scripture, and the the first story has to do with um, a couple of ladies that uh, were married to one fellow. Um, I think in the in the culture of the Old Testament, um, I think having multiple wives was their way of populating the earth, um, not necessarily to have good relationships, <laughs> um, at least from what we read. Um, from First uh, Samuel chapter one, we find out that uh, Elkanah had two wives. His first wife, I believe, was Hannah, and his second wife was uh, Pania. And um, Hannah didn't have any children, and that was kind of a, a bit of a disgrace in those cultures. And uh, Pania was very fertile, and she had given her husband uh, sons and daughters. And for some reason, she decided that, uh, Pania decided that it was uh, an important part of her womanhood to be on Hannah's case and irritate her and provoke her year after year after year. Um, some people say that was a good thing because then it's, caused Hannah to press in and kind of maybe make more demands of God. I don't know that that's the way I would read it, but uh, I think she was a bully. She was kind of not favored as much as Hannah. It tells us that Elkanah loved Hannah and would give her second portions of food and things like that. But year after year, she was... Uh, pestered and mocked and humiliated to the point of weeping, and it says, and even to the point of losing her appetite. Her husband sees this dynamic happening and kind of says, don't you know that you're favored above all the sons and daughters? Men, he missed it. He was not empathetic at all. <laughs> Maybe be more empathetic than that. And uh, so in the course of time, she um, ends up in front of uh, Eli, the priest, and she is, is in such desperate um, posture, she's praying, it says, from the bitterness of her soul, that's pretty deep, praying from the bitterness of her soul, her lips are moving, but nothing is coming out. And Eli, being very perceptive, says, you're drunk. 
Sorry, man. I miss it too. I miss it too. I miss the. I miss reading the cues. And uh, she says, "I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I am deeply troubled, and I'm pouring out my soul." I'm not wicked. I've got great emotion and great anguish, and I'm in grief. Finally, Eli hears what is on her heart, and he says, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant what you've asked. And that lifts the burden from Hannah, and she goes home. So the rival between these two women has to do with uh, the children, not having children, being barren, and that grief that brought in. Um, if we could kind of put a name on it, it was, I'm comparing my life to your life, and you're coming up short. And I'm going to make sure that you know about it. Fast forward to another passage in the end of Matthew, and there is a... Uh, a story that follows um, a question that Peter, the apostle, uh, asks. He says, um, we've left everything to follow you. What do we get? It's an interesting question stuck in the middle of uh, some of the teachings of uh, Jesus. And Jesus says, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. Parable uh, about the kingdom of heaven. And it's kind of like this. So I've, I've modernized it for Abbotsford. A blueberry farmer needs workers. And uh, the berries are ready for harvest. He doesn't buy machinery. He wants to hire people to do the work. So he knows where the manpower office is, and it opens at 6 a.m. And those who... Uh, we're needing some work. He chooses these men and he has an agreement with them for $150 a day. He will hire them to pick blueberries. There's a lot of blueberries. And so at nine o'clock, he comes back and needs more workers. He says, I'll be fair. They want to pay you. And he needed more workers by noon. So he comes back at noon to the manpower office and there's people waiting for a job. And then he comes back at three o'clock for some more workers. And at five o'clock, he comes back. He still needs some more. And there are some men still standing around. And he hires them as well. Well, come six o'clock, you know the story. The farmer says, call the foreman. Have him start with the last ones hired and pay them $150. And then the next ones that were hired at three o'clock and then at noon, and then the last ones was hired first, paid them $150. Can you say, ouch? <laughs> Guess what happens? A lot of grumbling started to happen. And you're, if you would be in those shoes, I wonder if you'd be grumbling too. I can't believe that those guys only worked one hour and they got paid the same as me. 
we worked in the heat all day and you paid us 150 bucks. Well, the blueberry farmer says, I'm not really as unfair as you think I am. It's my money and I get to give it equally to anybody I want. Are you envious that I'm generous? Are you envious that I'm generous? So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Sometimes with these stories, the one of the best ways to get in touch with the stories is to uh, identify with one of the characters. So maybe you're here this morning as a, an owner of a company that needs workers. And uh, it's hard to get good workers these days that will last, that will uh, put in a good day's work and actually profit you rather than cost you money. Or maybe you would be the, uh, you would uh, uh, identify with the people who were eager and you have your own transportation. And so you get to the office at six o'clock and you're ready to go. And you're, you haven't been working for a while. So whatever they say, you're in agreement. Away you go. And maybe you're a little bit uh, slower to get going in the morning but you still are hungry and you need a job. So you might show up at the office at, at uh, noon and be looking for a job. Maybe you needed a ride. Maybe you got distracted on the way. Maybe you really weren't hungry enough until later in the day, but you show up at the manpower office and you get hired. Or maybe toward the end of the day, you're one of those people who would never get asked to do very much. Maybe you've got a handicap. Maybe you're older. Maybe you have a limp. Maybe you only got one arm. Um, maybe there's some something about you that just doesn't cause people to kind of pick you first. Well, the landowner said, come, come work. And so you show up and you put in the last hour. Wow, these guys began to grumble and they began to complain. What kinds of words would you use for these grumblers? What kinds of things kind of does that stir in you? Ungrateful. A little bit of Irritated with them, irritated with the complainers. Okay, that's a different way of looking at it. Jealous, not fair. Justice fighters, yes. I worked hard, I should get more. Entitled, yes. That's a good word for these days. So the boss wasn't being, or the boss is being fair. He's very, care, uh, very caring and he's very generous. But here we're stuck in this comparison trap, aren't we? It probably doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me a lot. I'm comparing myself against somebody else. They have more. They look smarter, 
drive a nicer car, have a better motorcycle, paid more for the clothes they wear. They have more hair to do something with. And all of a sudden there's this, uh, we're, we're, we're constantly living in this comparing, I don't have enough, I'm not enough, tall enough, smart enough, educated enough. And we begin thinking that that's who we really are. And we have this cycle of, of uh, less than mentality. It seems to be human. It seems to be common among us. And uh, I'm just wondering if we can have a look at that today. There was an observation that uh, Eckhart uh, Tolle said. He made this observation that the mind can do only two things at one time. It can rehash the past or it can worry about the future. Just think about that. How much mental energy do you use up rehashing the past or worrying about the future? What's left right now? Living in this present moment and experiencing life right now where you are. So what we don't do well in here, in our minds, is being present to this moment. Interesting that this present moment has to do with our soul and its connection with life and its, con its uh, connection with the divine. Comparison has to do with our ego. And it's our goals, our ambitions, our desires. And yes, we need some of that, but that's not who we are. That's what we do. And it's only as we would understand who we are and whose we are that we actually have life. And being able to live out of that is, uh, is a beautiful thing. If we're living from our soul, there's a, a peace that's going on because um, God isn't troubled. He isn't worried. He isn't upset. He's not comparing himself. So as we lean in with our soul, there is a, a totally different experience that we can have. Things like I am seen. Remember that story I told at the beginning? A 30-year gap, being seen, being known, and in a moment of time, it all comes together and goodness happens. We become aware of it. If we're able to drop that down into our soul level, we begin to realize that we are highly valued, that there is not anyone like us in the world ever created before. And so there's something beautiful about who we are right now. We are a pearl of great price, every single one of us. That is amazing. And if we're made in the divine image of love, 
Uh, can it get much better? I don't think so. In preparing, uh, looking at this idea of living out of our soul rather than living out of our <laughs> rehashing the past and worrying about our future, trying to be in the present, I want us to look at a quote from um, Richard uh, Wagamese. If we could uh, put that on the screen. Can everybody see that? I'm going to just move over here. And if you, if you can see that, let's read it together. The elders say that creator is perfect loving energy. Within the realm of perfect love, there is no judgment. If there is no judgment, then there can be no failure. In turn, if failure does not exist, there is no unworthiness. We are all one energy. We are worthy and we always were. We never have to qualify. A ceremony was born to allow us to remember that. A ceremony is a simple way to bring our energy into the great flow of creative energy that is the universe. Let's just hold it there. Think about that for a moment. The creator say, or the elders say that the creator is perfect, loving energy. Is that a different way of experiencing God's love for us? That's the way he is. She is. They are. With in the realm of perfect love, there is no judgment. So if we are living in a realm where there is no judgment, if he's not creating it, if they're not creating it, and we stop creating it, what would life be like? And if there's no judgment, then there can't be any failure. How would you like to walk about your day without being known or experiencing failure? In turn, if uh, failure does not exist, there is no unworthiness. How many, have, how many of us have felt unworthy at times? <laughs> That's coming from here, not from here. Because here, there is no unworthiness. It says here, we never have to qualify. <laughs> we are all one energy. We are worthy. And we always were. So to be reminded of that continually could be a great exercise. Every morning, almost every minute, every hour. And if we never have to qualify, then we're on to something.
there's a couple of questions that we could ask ourselves. I did this for uh, a number of weeks in a row. When I become aware of perfect loving energy, I receive. It's an interesting question to ask ourselves. If we just spent three or four minutes a day just reflecting on that one phrase, when I'm aware of perfect loving energy, I receive. And there is a long list of things that I received. And another one might be, when I remember I am one with creation, what do I experience? I don't have to compare myself with anybody else because I have someone who already knows me and sees me. Have we got that second, uh, second part? Let's read this one together. <clears throat> Ceremony is a way to allow our emotional energy to encounter the wonder, the awe, the reverence that comes from an encounter with the divine, the sacred. It is a road to the true nature of ourselves. It is a human process to a spiritual awareness, an awareness that we are sacred, that we are never separated or separate from creation or creator. Ceremony as an emotional connection to that truth by Richard Wagamese in his book, One Drum. So this idea of comparison, this idea of, of um, seeing ourselves as less than, um, running this track of, of being exhausted with rehashing the past and worrying about the future that we can't have have little to say with being present to the now being present to this moment do we have that um other little phrase there so here's the the uh, a ceremony of sacred breath This is totally optional for you. Basically, it is a, a breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in, I am one, and breathing out with creation. It's a way of uh, breathing. Um, some, some say that even breathing is connecting with God. Just being able to get centered and become attentive to our breath, moving in, moving out, is connecting with the very breath of God. In the beginning, God breathed into us the breath of life and we became living, a living soul. Interesting that we can still practice those kinds of things. So if you're willing, let's just take a... Uh, a minute or two, and breathing in, thinking about these words, I am one with creation, 
I am one with love. I am one with life. However you like to do that, you can close your eyes. You can um, just be present to the moment. And just breathing in, I am one. Breathing out with creation. Breathing in, I am one with love. And breathing in, I am one, breathing out with life. Once again, breathing in, I am one, breathing out with creation. Breathing in, I am one with love. And breathing in, I am one with life. May we lean, may we lean in this day to one who absolutely is pure love, pure loving energy. We give thanks. I just want to close with a benediction. This is um, the Lord's Prayer from um, the uh, Indigenous New Testament, which is a thing now. And it's beautiful. Oh, great spirit, our father from above. We honor your name as sacred and holy. Bring your good road to us. Where the beauty of your ways in the spirit world above is reflected in the earth below. Provide for us day by day, the elk, the buffalo, and the salmon, mostly the salmon for me, the corn, the squash, and the wild rice, all the things we need for each day. Release us from the things we have done wrong. In the same way, we release others for the things done wrong to us. Guide us away from the things that tempt us to stray from your good road and set us free from the evil one and his worthless ways. Aho, may it be so. Go in peace.